Hello and welcome to the Helix Reviews Podcast. My name is David Arrington, bringing you reviews from a Christian Geek worldview. And today on the show, I'm going to be talking about Venom, Let There Be Carnage, the sequel to the Solo Venom movie. Uh, I really enjoyed the Solo Venom movie, so I was I was really excited for this one, but a little bit worried. Did they pull this one off? Did they Did they make it the way I liked it? Well, you'll just have to find out. We should be out there snacking on bad guys. I am a predator. I need to be free. You have got to get control of your aggression, or you will get hauled off into Area 51. Venom, let there be carnage. Eddie Brock attempts to reignite his career by interviewing serial killer Cletus Cassidy, who, through a series of unfortunate events, inadvertently becomes the host of a symbiote himself and escapes prison to cause carnage. You live in my body. You live by my rules. I'm sorry. I don't know what came over me. Please let me fix it. So I can fix it again. You are a loser. Themes, messages, ideas, this is the part of the show where I look at the themes of Venom and I uh, I see what pops out to me in this movie. Now, there, there's not a lot in this movie. This this movie is uh, fairly shallow, I would say. Uh, it's more about the fun, it's more about the action, it's more about all that stuff than trying to portray any profound message. Uh, a, a few ideas, a few themes that kind of popped out to me in here. Uh, I mean, teamwork, uh, just the idea that uh, you work better together than you do apart kind of thing, which, you know, okay. Um, there is the there, forgiveness. Forgiveness, I would say, is, is probably the biggest theme in this movie, I guess. Just the idea that, that you know, nobody's perfect. You know, we'll, we'll all sin basically you know if you want to put it in christian terms we'll all sin and we'll all uh you know do something wrong or do something bad to the to somebody even somebody we like and even somebody we love right but uh but we need to you know forgive them and we can move on or we can move forward with that person uh despite them sinning against us and us against them kind of thing and so so forgiveness ultimately is a, a message in here that's a good message you know i mean in matthew 18 peter's like hey jesus you know how many times should i forgive my brother when he keeps sinning against me you know should i sin forgive him up to seven times and you know jesus says no up to 70 times seven you know the the idea being that you know we're sinful humans we're we're born sinful and uh, and we're gonna sin against each other, but we need to forgive each other, and we need to you know move forward. Even if it's even if they keep sinning against you, you can keep uh, forgiving them. And I will say that the uh, the admission of sin and the uh, the asking for forgiveness and then the forgiveness itself is not like the best uh, biblical example of forgiveness out there <laughs> for sure. Uh, I would say, but that that idea is in there. Now that said, this movie's not again. This movie's not that deep. There, there's not a lot going on underneath the surface here. This they, it doesn't explore uh, this concept too much. But this is one of the the th major themes I would say in this movie. Eddie Brock, I want to give you my story. People love serial killers. 
Cletus, why me? What's mine is yours. And what's yours is mine. As I said, I was really excited for this movie because I really enjoyed that first movie. But that first movie, it got mixed reviews. And so going into this movie, I was going, okay, are they are they going to keep some of those weird kind of aspects that I liked about the first movie? Like that, that, you know, weird sense of humor that that first movie had and stuff that I really enjoyed. But I think uh, kind of people were a little shaky on. And they... They did. They doubled down on that stuff, honestly. Like, that humor, that kind of mixture of, like, slapstick, but also kind of darker humor at the same time, and the the kind of almost buddy cop kind of relationship between Eddie Brock and Venom, they just, they doubled down. They, they expanded that stuff, and that stuff is all over this movie, and this movie is so much fun fun. Tom Hardy is just like, he, he was born to play this role. Like it's, it's just this, this character, he pulls off so effectively. It's, it's such kind of a, a weirdo offbeat off kilter kind of performance from Tom Hardy. Uh, still very much in line with what his first, you know, movie performance was still continuing that same character and just such a strange weirdo kind of character but one that Tom Hardy is so good at pulling off and one that is just so entertaining to watch and then when you got Venom in there too kind of messing with him and stuff and then you know again kind of that buddy cop dynamic where they're they're friends and they like each other but they also kind of drive each other crazy sometimes too and it's just very fun very entertaining that whole dynamic there uh Woody Harrelson plays uh, Carnage, who I, I think Woody Harrelson is a great choice. Woody Harrelson, an awesome actor. Uh, it, it took me a little bit to get into his character. It's kind of, uh, I don't know, for the first uh, time when his character is there, I guess until kind of the, until he breaks out of prison, I guess, because that's, that's kind of the thing that really kind of kicks off the movie. Um, but when he's like in prison and he's kind of doing his own thing mostly by himself, it was, I don't know, it was okay, but it, it seemed like just kind of a generic crazy serial killer kind of guy you know he's just like oh he's crazy because yeah, Cletus Cassidy is a in the comics and and in this movie he's he's a villain for the sake of being a villain he's just he's a serial killer he's he's crazy you know and so Woody Harrison is playing that typical kind of movie super villain kind of crazy and and for me I guess that, that first portion where he's mostly kind of alone for a lot of that or, or only interacting with like one person or something, it's okay, but it's it's not, I'm not loving it. And then once he kind of breaks out of prison and he's interacting with some more people, it is so much more fun. Like it, it, to me, that's when I really kind of started to enjoy the, the Carnage character, you know, Cletus Cassidy as a villain in this movie. Naomi Harris in here playing Shriek. Uh, absolutely fantastic. I don't know much about her character in the comics, but absolutely fantastic in here. And just, I think, brings some extra layers to the villainy, I guess, in this movie uh, in some fun ways. You know, for, for a movie where the villains are, are mostly the evil for the evil's sake, uh, I think she brought more more layers to that kind of angle of it than, than even Woody Harrelson did. 
You got Michelle Williams back as Anne, uh, Reed Scott back as Dan. Uh, that's his uh, his ex girlfriend and her new boyfriend there uh, from the previous movie, and they're back. They're very fun, very much continuing that same you know those same characters, and and uh, again kind of adding adding some new elements to those characters. Uh, yeah, they're they're a lot of fun. The action in this movie, the action's fantastic. The 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 first movie seemed to focus on the kind of uh, gooiness, like the the fluidity of Venom, and, and kind of that aspect in the action. This one, it seems to be to focus more on like the expandable nature of Venom and, and Carnage, how they can like shoot out these big sections kind of out of them to do different things with that. That's what a lot of the action uh, seems to focus on a little bit more this time, and it's very fun, very entertaining. There's some very uh, clever action sequences in here, like, like, uh, multiple action sequences in here where I think they, they throw some elements in there that are just really, really cool, really clever, and something that is uniquely Venom, like, like, this is something that you can't do really outside of a character like Venom in the Venom symbiote and all that kind of stuff, you know, so some very cool stuff with the action there, uh, story well storyline wise uh it's decent you know it, it's uh the big bad i guess it's it's superhero story with a buddy cop kind of twist with the venom in there uh i think it's extremely fun the the dynamic between between all the characters is extremely fun uh again it's it's very funny this movie is is hilarious in my opinion and uh it, it's just they, again, that, that, like, it's slapstick, it's goofy and dorky, but then at the same time, they, they go into some of these darker elements with it too, and it's a odd blend, but it's, it's a, it's a kind of a mixture that I think works in this movie, and that is, uh, just very, very fun. Overall, I am extremely happy with this. This is, this is just what I, I wanted from a, a sequel to Venom. Extremely fun, extremely entertaining. You got good characters, good character dynamics, an interesting story. Just everything I wanted from this sequel, and it's, it's great. I have tasted blood before, and that is not it. All I ever wanted in this world... Carnage. Venom, Let There Be Carnage is rated PG-13 for intense sequences of violence and action for some strong language, disturbing material, and suggestive references. I would give it a 4.5 out of 5 stars on the enjoyability scale. Oh, wow. You could just say I'm happy for you. That was going to be us. I am happy for you. No! God, I'm so sorry. Not sorry! This dude needs some serious couples counseling. Spoiler warning for the rest of this episode. There's going to be spoilers for uh, Venom Let There Be Carnage. You have been warned. Uh, let's do this thing. I'll talk a little bit about uh, Siren and Carnage together as a super villain duo. Very fun. Uh, really, once, once Carnage breaks out of prison and starts interacting with her is the part that really 
in my opinion, elevates uh, his character even more. Uh, because we start to see a little bit of his vulnerability. We start to see a little bit more of his character, even though he still is very much this this psychopathic, uh, evil kind of character. You start to see, like, the, the only person that he cares about, basically, and uh, see their dynamic. When they're fighting together and all that stuff, you know, taking down the helicopter and all, very, very entertaining. And then you got this character that, uh, who's main weakness is sound loud screeching sounds and then her superpower is she he can she can shoot out loud screeching sounds so it's like it's this weird kind of dichotomy where it's like she can't use her superpowers if she's gonna be around him uh and then you know carnage kind of being separate from uh cletus cassidy he the carnage is like dude i'm gonna kill you if you keep doing that and cletus is like yo carnage calm down that kind of dynamic is interesting there uh and when you get to the the end of the movie and you know cletus cassidy like no longer he's kind of fighting against carnage a little bit and then you think you think siren's about to to fight against uh against carnage too uh she probably would have if venom didn't just like sucker punch her off the edge of the cliff uh <laughs> because it looks like she was about to start screaming there but then venom like hits her off the side she screams and then that's when all that kind of uh you know, the, the the killing carnage and stuff happens there. As I said in my review, she she kind of really elevated the, the whole villainy of this movie. She helped develop his character more. She had an interesting character and, and kind of her relationship with, you know, b both with, with Carnage, with Cletus Cassidy, and, and uh, just that whole dynamic there is really interesting. The whole wedding thing is very weird, you know? It's like, it's, they're like, hey, we're gonna have a wedding, and we're just gonna steal this priest, whom Carnage eventually eats the head of, oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> Visually, first off, just that's, that's kind of a really interesting uh, visual thing that you don't often see in the superhero movies is all the the kind of almost gothic looking church it's all very dark and then the venom your carnage has this very creepy weird kind of look to him uh but then they're getting married that's of course when venom breaks in and the whole fight scene at the end and all that kind of stuff very cool uh okay so the clever action scenes i was talking about the the first off the we'll talk about the sequence in the church there uh the sequence where the bell is is ringing and so it's slow so it like hits one side and then it has to swing all the way and hit the other side so there's a little bit of a gap where they can like get their powers back while the sound isn't ringing as much and then their powers go away and so it's like venom and carnage are like kind of disappearing and reappearing on them as they're fighting very fun very interesting something that is kind of unique to these characters another really fun action sequence in this is when eddie brock is fighting venom in his apartment and like venom is like coming out of him he's like ripping him out of him punching him and he breaks his teeth at one point and he's like dude not cool and just very very fun very entertaining kind of goofy and weird but very fun and very venom again like how else where where else do you have a fight scene that's like that where the where the person that eddie brock is fighting is coming out of him right it's it's very weird it's it's kind of comedic but also uh it's it's i think it's got a little bit of heart in there because it's it's you know, it's kind of ultimately them kind of breaking up and going off on their own separate ways for a little while before they have to, are forced to get back together again, you know. Um, the whole Venom in the club thing potentially went a little bit too far in the goofiness territory, but it was very fun 
it, it was just very entertaining. And so it's like, I don't know, I guess I'm, I forgive it for maybe going a little bit too goofy with some of that, but it was still extremely fun, extremely entertaining. The fact that uh, they really, they, they really more focus on the whole brains eating thing in this movie. Uh, we knew that Venom ate people in the, the first movie, right? But this one, they actually go into why he eats people and why he eats their heads especially is because uh, he lives off of something that is in human brains and also apparently chocolate. Is this a real thing that is in both human brains and chocolate? I have no idea. But, but it's, it's uh, it, I guess it's cool to actually see that. I believe that is straight from the comics. Uh, Venom is definitely all about eating the brains of people, you know? So it's like, that's that... At least that idea, maybe not the reasoning for it. I don't know the reasoning for it in the comics necessarily, uh, but that idea of Venom always wanting to eat people and eat people's brains and stuff is definitely uh, straight out of the comics. Uh, Stanley cameo in here by on a, in a magazine in the shop there. Very cool. Uh, oh, Mrs. Chen, is that her name? The the lady that owns the shop. Very fun in this movie. Very fun. Uh, her character, uh, when she interacts with uh, Eddie Brock early on, and then Venom's like, well, we could just eat her, and she, he's like, no, we can't eat her, and she's like, well, what? And it's, it's, it's a, a fun dynamic there, and then when she has the Venom, you know, inside of her, it's like, you know, th that is also very fun. When she turns, starts talking as Venom and stuff, very fun. Very, very entertaining. Uh, they bring up Lethal Protector in here, which is cool. If you don't know, Lethal Protector is a, a comic book series. It's the comic book series where uh, where Venom became the hero, where, where he kind of went from being just straight-up villain into anti-hero kind of territory. Uh, so, you know, that's kind of cool. And then there's like, we could be the Lethal Protector and all that kind of stuff. Very cool. Very fun. Good uh, kind of reference and they kind of joke around about it being like oh old old fashioned kind of sounding which it is um but it's old comic booky sounding and that's that's what it is you know and it's fun and I, I yeah i like that something else that they i noticed they did in this movie is that they very much uh detached him from anything that's uh that's that's going on in his solo movies in this one they very much pulled every they, they cut off all the ties so that if they want to make another movie, they don't have to bring his ex-girlfriend back. They don't have to bring Carnage back because they killed Carnage. That actually surprised me a little bit because, first off, if he eats Carnage, isn't Carnage now just in him or something? Is that How does that work? Apparently not. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but they killed Carnage. They ate him. They killed Kalidus Cassidy, which is kind of like... It surprised me a little bit, just be the the whole uh, meta narrative of it of it all. I guess with him being uh, Venom's kind of arch nemesis in the comics, I, I guess I expected him to go back to prison so he could bust out again later. But no, boom, he's <laughs> Venom's like ah, screw this and just eats him. It's just. One of those moments that is is kind of shocking and funny, you know. But they 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 cut off all the ties from this movie, so it ends really kind of neatly here where they can go and just kind of do their own thing. And that is because in, in the end credits, <laughs> the big spoiler, the big reveal, the, the whole end credits scene is 
crazy. It's crazy because they're tying this in to the MCU. It wasn't in the MCU before. It was in its own separate little Marvel Universe tangent, but it looks like he he's like in a hotel room. Whoosh, everything flashes. Suddenly, you got J. Jonah Jameson up on the TV screen who I noticed immediately, and I was like, dude, they're all confused as to what's going on. Spider-Man shows up on the screen. It looks like it's the flash that happens in the next Spider-Man movie uh, where Doctor Strange Strange is trying to make people forget his identities and he kind of messes up timelines or something. Uh, we'll see what happens exactly in that movie. But that's what happens here. It kind of throws him seemingly into the MCU so that he can now interact with Spider-Man. So we're having all these different characters come over. I'm guessing now Venom is going to be in Spider-Man No Way Home, probably. Um, and either way, even if he doesn't specifically show up in No Way Home, he has now in that universe and he's open to showing up in a future Spider-Man movie, which is awesome. Like, I, I really hope that happens. Whether it's No Way Home or whether it's the, the next one or whatever. I really hope that happens. Um, yeah, this is exciting too. And th then it makes more sense with the whole Morbius thing. Because Morbius, the living vampire is supposedly in that side in you know cinematic universe but then he was also interacts with the vulture in the trailer which is like wait how is he is he in both is he in the mcu is it some kind of weird thing what is this this explains it he is in the mcu then right and uh and venom has now just been shifted over and moved into the mcu and uh and again they cut off all the ties from his movie so that way they can just have him be in the MCU, don't have to worry about bringing over other characters into the MCU if they don't want to. You know, they can or they couldn't. It, you know, just whatever they want to do, they can bring those characters in or leave him alone. And it would still make sense for a Venom sequel. It would still make sense for him showing up in a Spider-Man movie or something. Extremely cool. I love that. That's That was a awesome after credit sequence. You know, that's that's the kind of after credit sequence that you love to see because it's, it's this big, exciting thing that teases something huge for the future of these movies. And it's awesome. I loved it. Fantastic. So that's my thoughts on Venom. Let there be carnage. What did you think? Shoot me an email. Podcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you guys about that or whatever is on your mind. Uh, coming up on the podcast next, probably another uh, Bond episode. Uh, I got to get through all these Bond movies in order to, uh, to to watch the new one and stuff, right? So I got to get through all those. I, they're definitely not all going to be out before the next Bond movie comes out because that is way too soon. Uh, <laughs> but I'll try to get those out uh, relatively quickly. We'll see how that goes. Also a review for Malignant because I, I actually just watched that just, uh, just the other day as well. Uh, I really enjoyed that, by the way, in case you want my extremely brief review. But a review of Malignant is definitely coming down the pipeline. Don't forget to stay after the credits for the uh, What If Marvel What If review uh, for whatever episode we're on at the moment. And until then, I'll see you next time. Bye. Hey, welcome back. To Helix Reviews, Marvel's What If. Today we're on episode number four. What if Doctor Strange lost his heart instead of his hands? Also, by the way, there's going to be spoilers in this episode, in this review for this episode. You've been warned. So in this episode, 
when Doctor Strange gets into a car crash, instead of ruining his hands and thus his career, and then he goes down the path of becoming a warlock, uh, instead he loses his heart, a.k.a. Uh, Christine, his girlfriend. Uh, Josiah, what did you think of this episode? Well, it was a lot darker. This one... This one wouldn't be one of my favorites, though Doctor Strange is not one of my favorite characters, so that that might have something to do with it, but this one did go a lot darker than any of the rest, and I appreciate that. I appreciate that they're varying yeah. up the tone and that they're willing to take it that dark, and it was, it was interesting, because sometimes, you know, you see a villain go down a dark path, and, you know, they, some, some... Uh, times in the story, you know, they, they try to make you sympathetic to the villain and to see how he can go that way. And this, it it was cool because it showed both, you know, how, you know, he could go down that path or not and end up in two very different spots. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was a cool little kind of twist there with the whole uh, two Doctor Stranges in this, you know, she divided the Doctor Strange up into two section so that way you could see the dark kind of evil super villain doctor strange and the the good guy doctor strange which is a little bit closer to the the doctor strange that we know yeah i agree this episode it was it was pretty good it was the, I, I think there was moments that were awesome in this episode uh but as overall this episode was pretty good but more of a, a middle middling kind of a episode of this series so far uh the the moments that i really liked is the you know, is is so the development of the the Dark Doctor Strange of him uh, deciding to to absorb all these monsters and to become this this big monster in order to in order to to save Christine. The some of the visually some of the things that they do with the the way the monsters kind of come in and out of him is really weird and creepy and interesting. The fact that he talks to the Watcher is awesome because so far mm -hmm. the Watcher has been in every episode. But he's not interacted in any way, as he's supposed to. You know, he's the Watcher. That's that's what he does. But the fact that at one point in the episode, he hears the Watcher, and he's like, who's there? What's going on? And then the Watcher's like, oh, and he backs off, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's like, oh, interesting. Like, that in and of itself was really cool. And then at the yeah. end, you know, Doctor Strange has so much power and so much knowledge and all this stuff that he's aware of the Watcher, he knows what's up with the Watcher, and then he... He sees him and he talks to him. The Watcher, you know, they have a little bit of a conversation. And and that was really cool, you know. And, of course, the Watcher says, I'm not going to interact. Anything I do will just mess things up even further. And he steps back and he just observes, like, his, his life mission, you know. And it was really cool. Like, that, some of those aspects in here were really cool. And then the fact that, again, like you said, it, it ends on this really kind of dark, harsh note is like okay, cool. You know they're 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 willing to go there, even though it's Marvel, Disney, animated kind of thing. They're mm -hmm. still willing to go into some of these areas that are they're kind of crazy dark areas that sometimes the comic books uh, will go to, especially with these what if kind of side stories like this. Uh, so yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, if anyone was gonna see the Watcher, I, you know, it makes sense that it was him. Right, right. Yeah, and I do like that. It's like okay, so finally in the end. He got what he wanted. He he broke that fixed point in time. Yeah. 
he saved her. So once he like pulled the car out of the water and pulled her out of the car and, you know, and saved her, the different creatures were coming out of him. And at one point, you know, kind of, they would kind of come and go. But at one point he was a little more fixed form and he had horns and wings. Yeah. So he looked like a demon. Yeah. It was kind of like, okay, he got what he want, but this is what it cost. Yeah. You know, he saved her, but he gave up himself. And that's not even what she would want. Yeah. And that's, you know, so it was just kind of showed, you know, if you if you just have something in mind and you pursue that, you know, you got to look at the cost. If, you, if you're pursuing something bad, you know, yeah. there's going to be... There, you know, there's going to be this negative cost, you know. Yeah, so I like that it that, that it showed that and was kind of a cautionary tell for us, you know, something yeah. that we could think about, you know, if we are just pursuing something wholeheartedly with no regard to anything else. Yeah, and and even if it's something uh, seemingly good, you mm-hmm. know, because it's like, oh, he he's gonna save her, you know, even if it's something seemingly good, the the methods, the way he went about it is wrong and you know the, and ultimately the end is not justifying the means in this scenario and that's that's true to real life mm-hmm. and and kind of the the gut punch a little bit at the end is when when he finally does save her and when she finally actually recognizes him as Stephen strange and she's and just her last words are just what have you done and then she fades away and does nothing and he's just even more heartbroken than he was, you know, before. Yeah. So that's it for episode four of What If. Coming up for episode five, we got What If Zombies. I'm excited for this one. This is one that I was uh, looking forward to as soon as they showed it in the trailers and stuff. I was like, nice, they're doing the zombies thing. So until then, this is David. And Josiah. Of the Heel Trees Podcast, signing out. Bye-bye, guys.